1: might not be glad that you did.
0: There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more the battles that we never could. Welcome to Furious Finest, a podcast about Marvel Christ Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Akin, and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Bruffett. Chris, we are back in the Inhumans today. How are you doing?
1: Oh man, Jesse, it's been a long m- month or two, man. I'm very happy to be back to the regular format. I'm very excited to play some games uh, soon. And MCP is just I'm really enjoying it right now. I think we were talking off mic a little before the podcast started about enjoying the kind of respite in the AMG release schedule. Maybe it's due to Shatterpoint. Mm. Maybe it's just the pace of the game. Maybe this is maybe this is the pace of yeah. MCP for now. And it's been a good pace. Oh, yeah. We have been. It feels like we've been breakneck speed for two years, and having <laughs> having things slow down a little bit uh, is is going to be cool. Letting The new models breathe a little bit is going to be cool. It's
0: like we have Stockholm Syndrome slash we also are super spoiled with first world problems. But it's like, it's still an incredible pace, Chris, right? One or two boxes a month, no matter what. (laughs) Like, And those boxes could be anywhere from one to three models. I'm thinking of transformations here, right? Yeah. So it's like... Yeah, we're about to get Emma and Psylocke. It's going to be a three model box with a two character box. And thank goodness they were just randomly deciding to do a Wakanda affiliation box the same month. So, yeah, it's like it's slowed down, sort of, you know?
1: So, I mean, for those of us that have been in it for a long time, uh, it has. It has slowed down. And for us as content creators, like I was saying, that that's the letting the characters breathe kind of aspect. Yeah. Letting letting a meta kind of shake out, trying to figure out what fits where and how we can kind of play with that. And that's a lot of fun for me watching that all shake out.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we got some cool months ahead of us. I mean, I think this year has been absolutely on fire. Well uh, start it started with a
1: surprise. I mean SHIELD won the one LVO. That's
0: wild. Yeah, obviously that I'm very high on that. Being one of my primary teams. And also like just the models that have come out. I'm so excited to play and have been playing. Um, some of these models and playing against them a lot and i just think they're all home runs every model is a home run rhino bill Ulik, spider woman agent venom and now we're gonna get emma and psylocke i think they're just all home run characters and i think they all open up the game in massive ways and we're still figuring that out right now there's so much going on so uh yeah the immortal hulk and the supreme modok around the corner that's supreme strange has someone coming for his title right now but uh you know, and that's all we know. And
1: you know, AMG is probably going to drop more stuff on us soon and blow our minds. More than likely, I'm I'm very excited to see those cards for the new characters coming up. Mm, yeah, just you know, know what we're dealing with here. But um, yeah, it's an exciting time. You know, we're we're about to be in uncharted territory in some uh, open waters, as it were. So no telling what what direction they're going to take the game in next, as far as releases go. But Jesse, this isn't. Exactly why we're here today. We've got some other stuff to talk about. But before we do that, I have to remind you all of something. Fury's Finest is supported by Site and discountgamesinc.com. Visit either and both for all of your Marvel Crisis protocol and miniature gaming needs. I know we've been singing these guys' praises since we've had them as sponsors, but
0: very much the case. Buy your stuff from them if you don't have a local store to support or maybe your local store is out of some stuff. Um, Mr. Laser has been expanding his store even more. So definitely check out his website and his discounts and his product. And yeah, looks like both of these um, websites will also be carrying ShatterPoints. So keep that in mind going forward. Cool. Of course, we cannot do this show without our patrons. Our patrons support Find Finest at patreon.com slash finest If you enjoy the show and would like to join our Discord community, And get access to all these things like our community discussions, more behind the scenes on the hobby channel, more painting galleries, no name, the Fury Secret War League, which is now fully underway. If you want to be part of any of that, definitely check out our Patreon and join to help support the show. Also, Chris, this is a good time for me to mention you know, Patreon's a strange thing because you guys absolutely actively give us your attention and some finances to help support the show. You're creating this art and this um, podcast and keeping the stuff going. And with all that, with the supporting creators and stuff, I should say more often, but I always forget, to tell you guys to check on Patreon that your card is not declined. Sometimes when you get a new card or your card expires, you you actually have to go into Patreon and update with your new card. That, of course, could drop you from the Patreon if you don't do that, or it could be something even weirder on our end where it's like, you're still part of the patreon but then like it's not running the patreon accounts and stuff so it's 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 a very it makes the system all wonky and then of course discord's an intermediary with all this because your discord is connected to your patreon so right the discord bot that we have set up that adds people and removes people you know based on if they're linked to patreon that gets wonky too so make sure just to check if your card is up to date that helps us out a lot um you know a couple of years back, we had a bunch of people that were declined and they had no idea. And they said, uh, if we would have told them earlier, they would have updated it quicker and supported us. So just definitely something to check out every once in a while, to keep basically your membership going and keep us going. So that's just a weird little housekeeping thing. But of course, Chris, we've got a new patron of the week to support and discuss and be excited about this week. And that is Twitch 65. Thank you, Twitch
1: for your patronage. Thanks Twitch. And as Always our fearsome five, our Avenger level producers. These folks keep the lights on every week, and we cannot thank them enough. Of course, that's Rusty, Dylan, Rich, Jason, and Puyon. Thank you so much, guys.
0: Let's get back to the Inhumans and close out our Inhuman series with Crystal and Lockjaw. Ooh, a twofer.
1: All right, Jesse. It's time to talk about them. These two. Crystal and lockjaw, oh, these humans the the whole the whole group has been kind of an interesting uh, an interesting journey as they just have not done a whole lot in a whole lot of time in Marvel, of course. They have waxed and waned in popularity often. and these two are kind of immune to that, but also the epitome of that. It's very interesting. yeah, it is a double episode today, too. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We will be talking about the goodest of boys for uh, just a second. But first, let's talk about Crystal a little bit, who she is. She is the younger sister of Medusa, of course. She's part of the Inhuman royal family. She is an elemental, and she is extremely powerful. Yeah, she's the princess. She absolutely is. And then, of course, Lockjaw... Is the Inhuman Royal Family Pet, the teleporter of the group. He is an extremely loyal, good boy. His history is so tied up with the Inhumans as a group, more so kind of just being their teleportation device a lot of times. But he does have a little bit outside of the group, and we will discuss that. But, Jesse, before we get into all of that, we have to set the table a little bit by talking about their superpowers we're going to start this week by discussing Lockjaw and it is pretty simple. Lockjaw is a teleporter. He can not only teleport just in our realm, he can go dimension to dimension, time, Madness. space. He's an extremely powerful dog. And he's an extremely big dog. Yeah. <laughs> he's an human-sized dog. He he, is, he really is. He has he has super canine strength. I mean, he is he is very strong, he's very large, he is very in charge, he is the goodest of boys, he is Lockjaw. Now let's get on to Crystal here. Crystal is extremely powerful. She is an elementalist, like I said. She controls earth, wind, air, fire, water. She not only controls them, say, like a pyro, of course, who is a master of controlling fire, Crystal controls them at a molecular level. So unlike Pyro, who can control fire, Pyro cannot produce fire from nothing. Crystal can tell the molecules around her to become fire or water or earth. She can create these these things, these forces, quite literally out of thin air and control them to an extreme degree. She is, in the Marvel 616 comic book continuity, extremely powerful. The big drawback to her powers, of course, Jesse, is that after about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour of sustained use, she is absolutely done. Very draining for her to use, uh, which is kind of a nice little counterbalance to just the raw power that she possesses. Both of these characters first appeared in Fantastic Four number 45 in December of 1965, and like the other Inhumans we have discussed, they were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So before we get into Crystal's lore and by extension, the lore of the entirety of the Inhumans, as kind of all these Inhuman episodes has kind of gone, I will I'll kind of we'll focus more on what's Crystal's individual parts in, in all of these stories that we've kind of covered from a few different angles at this point. But before we do that, let's talk about how Lockjaw came to be. Lockjaw is a dog that was from a litter of puppies exposed to pterogen mists by the, the kind of supreme geneticist of the Inhumans. Of all of the puppies gestated in this litter, Lockjaw was the only one to exhibit uh, any powers from the Terrigen mist exposure. Before leaving the womb, Logjaw teleported all of his littermates to other areas on the earth to keep them from being, you know, uh, experimented on, to get them out of a lab as, you know, they don't, to not be failed experiments. So he appeared to be the only pup born uh, at the time, but of course he
0: was not. He's already a hero. He's a baby and he's already doing heroic things. He
1: is a hero. That's one of the tenets of Lockjaw is that he yeah. is a hero uh, yeah. and he is the goodest of boys. <laughs> he's, he's actually an excellent character. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, wish I wish he was more than just a uh, teleportation device a lot of the times. But now let's move on to Crystal. Crystalia Amaquillen. She is, of course a member of the inhuman royal family the younger sister of medusa often viewed by medusa as a child she is actually a major force in the inhumans despite this she is as we've established extremely powerful and upon you know the inhumans the inhuman royal family being exiled and upon their kind of first interactions with the greater human populace of Earth, Crystal has been very involved in superhero dating. Immediately, she, she interacts with Johnny Storm of the Fantastic Four. They quickly fall in love. And as we discussed a little bit in the Medusa episode, Crystal will step in for Sue Storm uh, and join the Fantastic Four for a little while. While only being part of the team for a little while, she will, of course, be involved in them defeating quite a few major names, including the best villain of all time, Doctor Doom. <laughs> Upon leaving the Fantastic Four, coincidentally, Lockjaw would be the one teleporting her back to Atalon, the inhuman royal city, the, the inhuman city, the only city. They would make a pit a quick pit stop and they would save Quicksilver. Upon saving Quicksilver, they would Quicksilver and Crystal would begin dating, they would fall in love, and they would quickly get married. Quicksilver, of course, being a hothead, we know that he's kind of the most villainous hero in many ways. He just kind of has a sour attitude, though usually aligning with the side of good. And maybe he's a bad guy in some instances, uh, but uh, they will have a daughter together, but the marriage is not going to last a, a long time. It is very rocky. It's just, it's yeah, it's just not good. Crystal will kind of also develop some feelings for the Black Knight, Dane Whitman. Nothing will ever develop there. It's just you know, kind of an illustration of of the times, kind of how she was viewed. She was kind of a romantic accessory, despite all of this power and all of this intrigue that that could be used, but. At the same time, uh you know, maybe I'm being a little harsh there as the inhuman's just weren't super popular. So, what can you what can you really do? You know, Crystal will end up joining the Avengers. Uh, she will begin as a provisional member and she will end up uh, becoming a full-fledged member of the Avengers. After this, we're going to move into Decimation. This is in the House of M, of course, and this is a pretty interesting one. Uh, this is kind of – Quicksilver is going to be back in the story, folks. He's going to be depowered uh, through this this House of M event, and he's going to show back up. He's going to kidnap Luna, he and Crystal's child, and he's going to expose Luna against Crystal's wishes to Terrigen Mist. Luna will develop powers. And of course, who is there to help Quicksilver do this, Jesse? Who? poor unfortunate misled lockjaw because despite being a good boy and always a hero he is still a dog (laughs) so the resolution to this is going to be black bolt kicking the tar out of quicksilver and that will effectively annul the marriage between quicksilver and crystal which will free her up to start entering some statecraft with one of our favorite anti-villains. As touched on before in the Black Bolt and Medusa episodes, the Kree and Scroll are going to start playing a huge part in the Inhuman story at this point. So against her will and without her prior knowledge, uh, Medusa will not only entertain but agree to a marriage between Ronan the Accuser and Crystal, as a matter of statecraft, and it's it's it is interesting because it really forces Crystal to kind of grow up. She's very upset about this happening. It happens right in front of her face, but she eventually grows to realize that. Well, maybe not realize. This might be the the wrong word there, Jesse. But she eventually grows to accept okay. this as you know. Kind of think about when you're watching Game of Thrones. They're they're talking about the duty of the common people and all and yada yada yada. She kind of accepts that and. And of course, in the Marvel universe, less goes bad than in Game of Thrones, and good good guys are actually good guys, so it works out a little better. Uh, she will grow to accept the marriage and become a treasured and celebrated queen of the Cree. She is considered uh, a queen of the people uh, due to her compassion and not showing any kind of class restrictions or, or anything. Her willingness to get down in the muck and speak well and treat just average Cree citizens with uh, extreme amounts of compassion. And that is one of the reasons I like Crystal a lot. She's one of my favorite Inhumans after doing all, this, all these deep dives on the Inhumans. It, it's her compassion and humanity hmm. to everyone that I, I really uh, enjoy about Crystal. That's something that as I get older, uh, really, really speaks to me a lot more. Hmm. Yeah, it seems interesting too
0: that a through line with a lot of her stuff you know, and this is fitting of the royal family, younger princess thing, but it's also like a lot of the Inhumans customs, some of them are kind of messed up. Oh, of course. Of course. The Territory Mist being one of them. And Crystal's got her thoughts on that, right? I mean, literally. She does. You just talked about that whole storyline with her daughter and it's like, she's against it and she's the actual Inhuman by blood and Quicksilver's Correct. the married in Inhuman,
1: right? Well, Quicksilver is dealing with a lot of trauma here. Uh, he is not entirely. Oh yeah, he's got a lot. He is 100% having an extreme mental health crisis, but he also happens to be a superhero. So, you know, things things go awry. But yeah, she is a little weary of the Terrigen Mists. I mean, mm-hmm. as we will discuss when we get to Karnak, he is an inhuman, but he has never been exposed to the Terrigen Mist. His brother, Triton, uh, after exposure to the Terrigen Mist, can no longer be on on land for extended periods of time oh. he he is a a fully aquatic creature now uh because of the Terrigen mist and and because of that uh that that really scarred Karnak and he has just avoided it of course he develops some really uh <laughs> kick butt powers elsewhere <laughs> but or, or abilities I don't know depends on how you want to get it. talk about it we'll get there when we get there but uh yeah it's it's really interesting I think there is a lot of uh, stories left to tell with the Inhumans we're not quite done here. Uh, I do want to mention a little bit here. Crystal will be involved a little bit in the Civil War II storyline, uh, and she will be involved in the Inhumans versus X-Men. Uh, for some reason, the incanny Inhumans that happened more recently than anything else we've talked about here, hmm. she was not in, but she did come back with a vengeance in uh, all new, all different uh, Marvel, of course, when the A Force was formed, of course, Crystal will be involved there. But now, guys, I want to touch on Lockjaw's little bit of uh, history that kind of is, is outside of the rest. His own little pieces of Inhuman history.
0: Yeah, and outside of Crystal in particular too, right? Because Lockjaw, exactly, had...
1: they are they are tied she, he together at the hip for a long yeah. time. Yeah, like he is the the royal
0: family's dog, but she. Oh man. Primary. And they
1: bring out special, they bring out things in each other there. Mm. It's, it's a good writer that uses a pet to show interest, interesting parts of a character. And Crystal's playfulness is really, really brought to the foreground with, uh, especially Jolly, ja uh, mm. uh, not just job, ja, but, uh, in in humans volume two, it's, okay. it's cool stuff, but lockjaw. His special little times. So the most interesting early on with Lockjaw, he has this, this period. We have touched on the Inhumans being trapped in Atalon behind this negative force zone that eventually Black Bolt will take down. But of course. Johnny Storm is just head over heels for Crystal at this point. And Lockjaw is really not inhibited by this by this negative zone so but he can't he can get out but he can't exactly bring other people in it's kind of a lockjaw only passageway with this thing lockjaw is going to take johnny and his buddy wyatt wingfoot on an absolute wild goose chase through wild just times and dimensions you know all all the while johnny just cannot get his mind off crystal and it's just it it makes me laugh Because, of course, the Inhumans (laughs) were not immediately good guys. They were kind of, you know, what's going on with these folks uh, for a little bit. And it just Lockjaw not not trusting Johnny initially. It's just, you know, it's just good old. I like that. Good old dog stuff. (laughs) Of course, he is going to, uh, after Inhumans Volume 2 and and a lot of things like that, Lockjaw is going to, pre-Civil War 1, Lockjaw is going to kind of take a little vacation. He's going to become Ben Grimm, the thing's pet for a little while. Ben is eventually going to move to France and Lockjaw is going to choose not to follow him to France, rejoining the Inhumans, just taking a little sabbatical, uh, fetching trees in the park with old Ben Grimm. Uh, Pretty cool stuff. One more thing of note, of course, is Lockjaw will become the pet of Miss Marvel Kamala Khan yep. for a while. Kind of and kind of her protector. He he's sent there by Medusa to just keep an eye on this this new inhuman that chose to stay on Earth. And uh it's leads to some fun stuff. He helps her defeat the inventor who is of yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. which I mean, we talked about it in her episode, of course, but yeah, he's an he's a clone, spider foes villain. Mm-hmm. And he's there. a clone yeah. of Benjamin Franklin. So it's it's pretty funny stuff.
0: Chris, I mean, I know we're gonna get to this probably later, but Lockjaw is kind of like this the Steve Rogers of the Pet Avengers.
1: <laughs> he absolutely is, uh, Jesse. I, I, you know, I don't talk kind of Elseworld stuff <laughs> on the main feed, but yeah, that is going to be a comic recommendation, comic book recommendation for today is Lockjaw mm-hmm. and the Pet Avengers. Have to. It, it's just a super fun story, and. Of course, as I always say with these guys, uh, the Inhumans are kind of back in, I don't want to say a big way, but they are around. So there is a lot more Inhuman history developing in modern modern comics now or that has recently taken place. Uh, of course, we don't delve too much past uh, Civil War and Civil War II on this show just because we're, we're trying to lay the baselines for these characters, for you guys, not, not being extensive right exhaustive resource because we still have a lot of strategy to talk about jesse but before we get there we have to talk about crystal's appearances on screen
0: yeah so far she just appeared in the inhumans television show so this kind of sounding very similar every episode we do for the inhumans up to this point yep she was played by isabel cornish you know they in the show tried to capture that teenage college age questioner you know not happy to be like part of the family but also like pushing back on stuff
1: mm-hmm. a little rebellion. And,
0: uh, yeah, this is the actress they cast and it is what it is and also Lockjaw is also in the show. Uh, I imagine most of the CGI budget went to Lockjaw and he is to scale. I mean, a very cool thing they do in the show very well is, you know, Lockjaw's not perfect CGI by any means, but his scale and his physics do make sense with a dog of his size, you know. Him and Crystal definitely have scenes together. Him and Blackbolt have a lot of good scenes in the show and obviously Lockjaw and Medusa have good scenes too. So that is part of like, I think Crystal and Lockjaw were definitely parts of the show people did enjoy. And especially yeah. Lockjaw. And I think I think standouts of the show, obviously, like we've talked about before, were Lockjaw and Black Bolt. And um, so it's kind of like we're kind of putting a bookend on the Inhuman show and even some Maximus stuff. And of course, Maximus played by Iwan Rion who of course is known most for playing Ramsey Bolton, the Lord Ugh. of the Skin Flayers in Game of Thrones. Boltons are terrible, terrible people.
1: Well, w- just I mean, don't condemn the whole family line. It's just the Boltons <laughs> we know. Right. The Boltons given to us in these
0: storylines. And it's just, when you're in a universe that's that bad, and you're the guys that are that bad,
1: that is a grim. That is the grimmest, darkest universe to get this popular since Forty K, right? And to be the twisted people in that universe is like, okay, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially under Ramsey Bolton's, uh, um, yeah, he's, of course, lordship. Yeah, he's an so. excellent actor. He conveys that mental instability. Uh, of both Ramsey and maximus uh very well (laughs) so yeah maybe we'll get maximus one day in
0: mcp and we can talk about him again but yeah obviously a lot of interactions with him and of course isabel cornish playing crystal because that's a big part of conflict as well so there it is there's all our inhumans content uh, up to this point in the mcu until maybe they come back into the mcu time will tell Um, but right now it's not looking like the case though you know, We do know that Black Bolt exists in other universes, which is very cool.
1: It is cool. Now, I'm going to give this comic book recommendations. I'm going to go over them quick, guys. You've heard the same recommendations, and you're going to continue to as far as Inhumans go. Uh, just That's just the way it is with these guys. Uh, but Inhumans Volume 2, of course, War of Kings, and for your Lockjaw special needs, Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers by Chris Eliopoulos and Ig guara please read that it's very fun
0: yeah and of course chris is recommending inhumans and war of kings for crystal and lockjaw content in the primary and of course this is a secondary fun lockjaw issue here uh for issue i believe and then of course they've expanded on the pet avengers since Uh, i think it's just pet avengers uh, after lockjaw the pet avengers so very cool i love throg personally we all love throg and of course Chris, I mean, we love Throg, but Lockheed, I mean, big Mutants fans here.
1: Lockheed is a bad, bad man. <laughs> He's a bad. That is a, that is a powerful dragon. was a powerful man. dragon. Powerful dragon. Very good stuff.
0: So yeah, definitely check out the Pet Avengers. But yeah, Chris, I'm definitely going to be reading after this Human series. I'm going to be digging into this Human series and War of Kings. Mm-hmm. Inhumans in Volume
1: 2 is cool. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little dated uh, in the same way that like uh, War of Kings is. Just the fonts and things like that you know Oh, okay, okay. but uh, it's the it, storytelling's art. really good the art's yeah. great it's yeah, it's so. still great it's just if the weird, art's weirdly weird little not stuff. dated,
0: i'm i'm pretty much in art's the biggest thing that holds me back you can okay. tell what era it's from
1: but it's not gotcha. dated in a hey, bad man. way
0: some things are classics for a reason man. hey
1: it's it's good stuff man and like i said we're gonna avoid uncanny inhumans for these for for crystal don't even read it yet gotcha save it all right jesse i think it's time
0: Yeah, it's time to go into strategy, and we're going to go into strategy today too. And I'm sure Chris can provide some more potential lore bits when we go into strategy because you know there's a lot said about these characters' superpowers on their cards, and that's their very much thing. That's very much their thing in MCP. So let's get over to strategy. Chris, starting with Crystal. Her name is Crystal. Her alter ego is Crystal Amakulan. She is a three threat character, which is great. She's a workhorse character of this game. She is a small base, a stamina of five on her healthy side and a stamina of five on her injured side. Her differences are three physical, three energy, and three mystic, respectively. Size two, and her only different three-threat thing on her card is she's a long mover. Not that three threats aren't long movers, but
1: that's her standout out of her stats. What do you think? You know me, man. I love a long mover. Even with us even with a small base. Love a long mover. And especially as a three threat that immediately tells me that we're we're looking kind of in, uh, you know, asset running territory. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll go
0: and get the obvious and the the cool thing out of the way. She's a long mover with flight. So same as mm. uh, same as our Gwens and and things like that. She's a a long mover three threat that ignores terrain. Um, Gwen with her wall crawler, um, you know, just a different name for flight. And of course, Flight and Wallcrawler, we're seeing things come up in the game that reference these things, superpowers that do things with these characters. I mean, Bill, he, Bill hunts characters with Flight. <laughs> that's that's a new feature they've added to the game. So it's not, I remember when the game first came out, a lot of people were asking, why name them Flight and Wallcrawler different when they're the same ability? And clearly, AMG has proven oh, all yeah. those people wrong because, you know, Craven can mess with people's Wallcrawler. Bill can... Mm. Destroy people with his hammer that have flight, right? So these are things that they're little nuances, little paper scissor rocks that come up. And yeah, so just think of Crystal as mobile as Gwen, and that's a crazy thing. But Chris, we got to get into Crystal's attacks because you touched on it briefly in lore, and we didn't, we talked about more Crystal as a person and her history, but she's she a master is. of all the elements, and they cover that in her card, which is super cool. So we're going to go through her attacks and there are four of them which is unusual and unheard of for any character in mcp which is great four attacks which i absolutely love honestly
1: jesse her first attack is a physical attack it is earth shaker it is an area one attack strength of five power cost of zero after this attack is resolved this character gains one power so it is a gainer on a wild you will trigger stun after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the stun special condition. So, area one, kind of hard to set up for such a fragile character. But if, not ideal. Not ideal. But if ideal. you're up in it, five dice with a stun, it's not the worst.
0: Yeah, and let's go ahead and remove all pretense now. I mean, this is the attack mm-hmm. you're going to use least with her. But what's cool about this is all of her attacks are gainers, all four of them. So, you're not even worrying about when should I use the strike, when should I use the gainer. Yeah, Just get that out of your mind. And just think about, all of her attacks are, this attack is a strength of 5, and all the other attacks are a strength of 4. So this is the one that when she's in a bad spot, you will use it, because it's more dice. Yeah. That's really it. Stun is super cool. Stun is a very effective superpower, especially on higher threat characters. But if Crystal's in a spot to use an A1 attack, you've put her in a bad spot, probably. So it is one of those things, like, this is a cool attack to use, maybe when opponents jump on her, right? And also it is an A1. So if they really do jump on her, several of them, maybe you can get a couple of them in this A1, you know? Um, very cool. Not as easy yeah. as the A2, the Air A2, but I love it. And I love that these are all gainers because it just makes her math so easy. Also, Chris, I mean, we've been doing this series for some time now. She is inhuman. So every attack she has has a reroll. So all of her attacks kind of have that quasi 0.5 or even a whole number higher strength added to them. So very cool. And also means that she can get the stun off a little bit more consistent than other characters with five dice attacks with wild triggers. That's really what it is, which is very cool. But moving on, she has a second physical attack called Hurricane Blast. It's a range four, strength of four, zero power cost gainer. After the attack is resolved, crystal gains one power. If she gets a wild crystal will trigger push if the target is size two or less is before damage is dealt very nice clause before damage yeah. is dealt because if you kill them with this you still push them they're pushed away from crystal short uh i love this attack chris it's only four dice but it is with a reroll four and a half so yeah. always keep that in mind when you factor in Crystal's stacks and you know rerolls just get better too when you mm-hmm. crit out like you crit a lot Like, so if she has a good spike with this attack, you're going to reroll, you're going to get the wild, you're going to push them. The crits will be helpful in that situation. But uh, yeah, I find this very cool. And once again, keeping the theme going, the first one's kind of her slamming down on the earth, right? Second one is her just throwing rocks,
1: we're assuming here. And um, yeah, I love these two physical attacks right up front. Gotta love the push. Honestly, this is the attack I am going to use the most with her. Uh, that, That push, that little bit of control is really, really nice. Um, that's something right. I really love about this character is that there is a different effect, different a wild effect on each of these attacks. So we're getting a stun, we're getting a push, and now we're going to move into hy- yep. Hydrokinesis, which is the first of her energy-based attacks. Uh, also range four, also strength of four, power cost of zero as well. Also a gainer, but on the wild, you're going to put slow, the slow special condition on the target character. And of course, that can be absolutely huge for characters running away with objective tokens or maybe very mobile characters that you want to slow down. Maybe, you know, Whoever, there's so many. Maybe Angela needs to quit using that long move, you know? Oh, Angela without her move is just very exactly. sad. Exactly, it's brutal. Um, it's Malikith brutal. without his move is
0: very mm-hmm. sad. So, yeah, very strong. Um, also, it's energy. So, like, more yeah. people are weak to it by default. So, I think...
1: And it's a choice, right? You've got more options because it's we've got so many characters that are weak to energy or weak to strong against energy, which less so, but maybe weak to... To uh, physical this attacks too. This might be your, so, one of your go-to attacks with her for sure. Because
0: yeah, more characters are gonna be weak to it. Slow, solid. You're never wrong about it. Super yeah. solid. So it's very cool. And once again, it's that hydrokinesis. It's her controlling that
1: water and making it hurt you. You know, I, I think it's very cool. The themes are right with all these. You know, this next one though is my favorite. It might not be the sure. one you're gonna get all the time, but being an X Force guy at heart, the wild on this next attack is near and dear to my heart and this next attack is volcanic surge it is the second of her uh energy uh attack suite it is going to be a beam three or strength of four of course energy cost of zero of course just a little less Uh, range yeah right little less range but it is a beam after each attack is resolved she'll gain one so it is a gainer with some higher potential for gaining here and on a wild you will give the target character incinerate which we love, love absolutely, and
0: uh, you know, a four dice beam—that's fine. Yeah, but the reroll
1: fine. really takes
0: it up. Like the reroll helps a lot. the The inhuman reroll is just nuts, Chris. These characters are just so consistent, you know, and it just feels good. It just feels good. We talked about that every episode, right? Like even when it doesn't roll into something, at least you're you're an active participant in all your dice. You're you're more of an active participant in your dice. Like you feel more. I mean that your dice math are just better. So even when it doesn't help, you're like, well, at least I tried, you know. And it really
1: kind of makes a character like Crystal look a little bit less impressive upon first read.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people discredit her. It
1: takes getting her on the table and realizing you get that reroll every time. Love it. To to really kind of see what she's capable of, but Jesse, we've got four different gainers on this character. What are we going to be spending this power on? (laughs) Just one superpower. Just one. Um, Just one, and it is a big
0: deal. It is a reactive superpower called Elemental Onslaught. Costs four power. After an attack made by Crystal during her activation is fully resolved, you may use this superpower. Crystal may make an attack action and then must choose an attack that she has not used yet this activation. The superpower can only be used once per turn. This is great, Chris, because yeah, the beam actually sets this up a lot. Because if you get two or three people in a beam, just get ready. I mean, they're gonna get a third attack and break the game in Crystal's own way. Mm-hmm. Now I love that Crystal's breaking the game in her own way, but like her attacks don't do much damage, and that's intentional. It's just the fact that she is getting a third attack, which is fun, but also it is getting more conditions out and the more she's doing this throughout the game and the more she's getting three different attacks off with three different potential conditions <laughs> or, awesome, or a push, man. Like, if she does this all game, like it's not going to feel very impactful at first. But when you look at the game as a whole, and this is what competitive players are so good at doing in this game, when you look at the game as a whole, you look at like, oh, I incinerated a character early round one. I incinerated another character with this. Mm-hmm. I slowed another character round one or two. And you start saying all these themes that really led to your victory in a lot of ways right this elemental onslaught though it's thematic it's cool and crystal's breaking the game she's doing a third attack when no one else can really do that outside of other certain special superpowers from certain characters it's like or cards i don't know it's it's the thing you just talked about chris where it's like crystal is hard to gauge because her
1: impact on the game is very nuanced it, it's for sure less obvious and we're even going to talk about that with her next not to to speed us along too yeah. much here but with her next Superpower. Uh, It's 100% tiny incremental things that add up, especially if you have an experienced pilot controlling Crystal, keeping her within the proper bubble, uh, keeping her safe, yet able to reach out and touch people to get those pushes, to apply those slows, to apply those incinerates. So. I think I have built up to where I have to talk about this power now. So let's talk about her next power. It is an innate superpower. It is called elemental empowerment. And I think it is very good. Enemy characters performing a shake action while within range three of crystal may not remove the incinerate, the slow, or the stun special conditions. So these are all the conditions she can hand out with her four attacks. Within three of her, they cannot be removed. Not being able to shake a slow, as you know, the given examples have been Angela and Malakith, is huge. Not yeah. him not being able to get rid of that, like Malakith not being able to get rid of that slow for just one activation, is massive. Yeah, yeah, incinerate. Not is- being able to remove incinerates. I mean, I don't see much reason to run Crystal and X Force, but let's say you did having her in the middle of the board keeping those incinerates on the opposing team yeah. letting your just insane melee characters run rampant uh, you know against two defense dice three defense dice instead of threes and fours and fives it's just well not not yeah, fives she's but. an awesome support she's a really good support and at three threat that is where i like my supports two and three threat unless they are extremely good Absolutely. this is that is the the Amount of threat I want to be spending on them not being able to shake
0: is just like it is game breaking in some ways, right? Like it's it's like you cannot do stuff that you might want to do until Crystal's gone off mm-hmm. the tape, right? So it's like stun and incinerate, especially yeah. Chris, are just debilitating for for more powerful characters. A lot of the
1: more powerful characters are immune to stun at this point, but the ones that are not, it, it is a it is a major major weakness. Yeah. If you can get a stun on one of those big boys that that are not immune, yeah,
0: like I mean, Ulik's starting to run the game right yep. now, and Ulik's not immune to stun, and he hates it, right? Because if he can't do his charge, what's he good he's for? He's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so range two attacks, I guess. Oh right, yeah, right? don't don't so, get me wrong, he'll still hit at like range two. Yeah, but yeah, if he can't charge you, yeah, you're you're in a lot better spot. So closing out her card, Chris. She has the Inhuman innate superpower. Crystal may reroll one die in her attack or defense rolls. So once again, these defenses of 333 are much better than they seem, which is great. She also has the innates of flight, which I already mentioned, and of course that beautiful inhuman immunity to poison. I love it so much thematically. And uh yeah, Chris, I mean, her card nothing changes on the back. She's exactly the same. Kind of a nuts character in the sense of like how little we see her in I the know. game, but but how good of a role filler she is. She is a condition-giving turret character that can pivot and pick up extracts when it time comes to be with her long move. In fact, she's also a really good character to get extracts early, round one. Yeah, that long and move the rest is. Rest of the game sit sit back, right? And just turret. Just turret and hold that extract and maybe stand on a secure applying slows,
1: maybe getting a push. Yeah.
0: And the cool thing about crystal is like, she's never going to do a lot of damage. And that's kind of your opponent's downfall as they never really go after her because they're like, well, she's not gonna do much damage to me. And that's true. But the longer she goes throughout a game, the more value she's going to have on the game as a whole. And so it's like, it's tough where it's like, obviously there's someone who's always a bigger threat than crystal. Every time you play a team that has crystal, that's just how it's going to be. But then you're kind of split where you're like, do I want to give crystal value all game? Don't want her to get off two or three gainers a turn, right? I'm thinking with the beam, right? And then maybe elemental onslaught on a turn and get another gainer off and then set up another turn. Because that's what's cool, Chris, about this elemental onslaught. We haven't really talked about the nuance of it yet, but it's like if you use this to, man, if you use this to beam, you just made money, Mm -hmm. right? You made big time. You basically made the price back. Say you beam two or three people. Well, and that way you kind of paid for the elemental onslaught almost because next turn you'll get a power exactly. and power phase and you'll you'll be able to elemental onslaught again. Also, if Crystal flips, she 100% will be able to do elemental onslaught. So when she wakes up, she's doing three attacks, right? So watch out. Uh, three attacks with a reroll on every attack. You know, like this is a game of, I think Vince proved, proved this with um his shield, Chris. And, you know, something I've, I've said with my shield too, where it's like shield doesn't have good attacks. They just have a lot yeah, of attacks. Absolutely. And they do a lot of them, and as long as the game goes on more rounds, they will do a lot of little attacks. Crystal's kind of like that. She's, she's more like a shield person, where, like a shield gunline person. where just going to do a lot of weak attacks, and as, the more she does as the game goes on, the more conditions she's going to get out, and the more chance she has to spike. And she's really good at doing a lot of attacks. So be careful. <laughs> Keep an eye on her with that. But, Chris, before we move on to our goodest boy, Lockjaw, I'm going to talk about Crystal's card. Sure. Elemental Infusion. It's unaffiliated and active, so of course this that means you can play it in any team you play Crystal in. Crystal may spend 2 power to play this card. Until Crystal is dazed or until the end of the round, when an enemy character that is within range 3 of Crystal suffers damage from an allied effect, after the effect is resolved, that character gains one of the following special conditions: incinerate, stun, or slow. So, that's you gross. got Crystal on an A Force team, right? Yep, you've got Scarlet Witch or She-Hulk doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Punching stuff, shooting hidden dark hidden magic hard. stuff, hitting hard, Crystal's giving them tons of conditions. And once again, they're in that situation, I just painted a picture earlier, Chris, where it's like, clearly in that situation, She-Hulk and Wanda are the threats, right. and they don't want to deal with Crystal, but if they don't deal with Crystal, every time they're dealt a damage this round...
1: They're going to gain more conditions because Crystal is doing a bubble of influence. I and love they it. can't shake them because they're in that bubble of influence, yeah. which is in the that's range right. three of not being able to shake. So you've got to move crystal, you've got to daze crystal, or you have to move out of that sphere of influence, out of that bubble, and that's oh, scary. You can't move her because
0: you played Stalwart Stalwart Determination this turn, the A <laughs> card. card yeah this is a cool card to bring with crystal i think it's always worth considering in your 10 when you're playing crystal if let's say i think every inhuman and every a Force player always has this discussion are they putting this in their 10 and i think that's a worthwhile discussion for sure because it's just cool it's fun but it's also like this is not this is not weak chris like the problem is is like you don't have to play this on Crystal's turn either, which is great. So, like you could just start your turn. Mm. This is an unaffiliated active. Spin two off crystal, play this card. Same you same type of strength you would use, Mags is refraction, right? I'm right. going with Sabretooth, but Mags is spinning two to turn on refraction. It's that type of thing. I'm paying two off crystal. I'm going with Scarlet Witch. I'm gonna do a bunch of damage <laughs> this turn, and I'm gonna give a bunch of conditions on Scarlet Witch's turn, yep. right? And then Crystal gets to go later and give out more conditions. So it it it's a cool synergy. It's very synergistic with her kit. Absolutely.
1: It's, yeah, that's a fun play pattern, and the interaction between the other characters on your team that Crystal can have is super fun. Granted, it's there's a little bit of a learning curve to that. You've she's you've a learning got curve. Character, got to learn out. your positioning. You've got to learn when when she needs to be out. What she needs to be doing on specific sets of crises. Crisis. crises whatever but yeah man she can she can absolutely big time affect a game but she is also pretty susceptible to being dove she's pretty fragile so you can't get too far up in it with her so maintaining that that kind of range three bubble on the enemy team is it's a risky proposition if you want to be hitting a lot of the team that's true so you know be careful well
0: Chris, we got to move on to the goodest boy, Lockjaw. Keep the strategy going because we'll obviously talk affiliations for Crystal and Lockjaw at the end of this segment. Don't want to get too excited about Crystal because I've got a lot of cool things to talk about in the affiliation content. So, Lockjaw, his name is Lockjaw. His alter ego is Lockjaw. He's a Size three character on a medium sized base with a stamina of six on his front side and five on his back, very respectable, cause he's a three-threat character, Chris, which is great. He's a medium-sized base with a short move, and his defenses are three 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 with that inhuman reroll. So once again, we're in that same realm as 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 Crystal, where it's like his his defenses are good for a three threat. They're very good for a three threat because of the reroll. But I'll read his first and only attack, and then we're going to talk about all of his awesome yeah. superpowers. Um, but Lockjaw is very slow, and I think the theme is very right because he's, he's a big bulldog. He's not very fast, but you know it's that venom movement where it's like short move with a medium base is clearly better than short move with a small base, right? Um, so lockjaw is faster than crossbones
1: yeah it's a little deceptive on how quick it can be but it's yeah it's it's not it's great not, but it's, it's not quick by the traditional definition just a little quicker than you think every
0: max player in the world is like yeah it's it's it's, it's not fast. but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's faster it's not. than it's faster than the slowest thing in the game which is a small base with a short move which is very few characters in the game thus far i, doubt, I, I, I was gonna say i doubt we yeah, see mysterio anymore. crossbones like it holds them back very very much as it should because they could do stuff
1: yeah dude cut mysterio can be yeah. nuts
0: but lockjaw has a strike attack it's his bite it's a range two, strength of four power cost of zero after the attack is resolved lockjaw gains power equal to the damage dealt and if he gets a wild he will trigger bleed because a big giant bulldog attack after the attack is resolved the target character gains the bleed special condition chris once again four dice We've talked about this before. Wong has this attack. We did our Wong episode. Worst attack in the game, except Lockjaw's is much better than Wong's because yep. Lockjaw's has bleed and a reroll. Yep. So Lockjaw's is actually a very respectable bad strike. Wong's is just bad. roll dice and pray. Wong's is a last resort, you know, <laughs> which I love. But Lockjaw's is like you know you're probably
1: never doing this with Lockjaw until it's really in the fray. I was going to say it's kind of incidental if you're doing this. You're not moving to make to get a bite off. He has a
0: superpower later that is an action, and we already mentioned he's slow. And to keep up with his team every round, he probably has to walk yeah. every turn at least once. So the bites are thematic, incidental. They're gonna happen and they're gonna help you, but not really worried about this average strike, you know. But Chris, we gotta move on to Lockjaw's superpowers. He has three active and three innates. So let's get going, Jesse.
1: The first of the active superpowers is drop it. It's going to cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size three or less within range two. Throw it medium. Yeah, this superpower can be used once per turn. So terrain only throw, but we love a throw. A three for three, mm-hmm. we love yeah. it.
0: We love AMG's like motto of like their design philosophy of making things that are like one type. The price equal to the size or like if it's a double type if it's like terrain and a character it's a higher price i i love this kind of theme and of course lockjaw has no issues building power we'll get to this later but so he's throwing stuff a lot which is great and also keep in mind chris you know we always have new listeners people new to the game Throws are so strong because they don't take an action right and lockjaw can easily walk throw bite some sort of combination of these things and That's very strong because throws are a ton of damage. A size three throw is a a four dodge save. And that's a lot of damage guaranteed coming to your opponent. So best way to deal damage is this throw. But moving on, Chris, Lockjaw has a very cool superpower that's also active called Interdimensional Bloodhound. Cost three as well. So keep in mind his kit is very expensive because these are all great. (laughs) Choose an enemy character. Allied characters, you mark that enemy character. Then allied characters roll one additional attack dice when targeting the chosen enemy character this round. So it costs three, very expensive. It's global, mm. no range restrictions. This is Craven and Lockjaw once again, we talked. About, I talked about my hunting party yeah. too that episode. You can double stack Craven and Lockjaw, which is super cool for a hunting party. But this is very good, Chris, because like this is like yes, it costs three, very expensive, but every single character that will attack that target this round will get an additional dice on all of their attacks and if you're doing strikes the math even gets crazier because you're building Building more more power power. you have characters with re-rolls other in humans with re-rolls the math just gets better and better and better i mean crystal with this online goes crazy right she gets
1: a lot better very quickly then maybe give her a hammer too i don't know (laughs) i love it
0: but Chris, go ahead and close out our last active superpower for Lockjaw because this is this is, is a good one, man.
1: This is uh, it is teleport. It will cost you two. It is also going to cost you one of your two actions. Very important. Yeah. yeah, very important. So you do this. You have just lost the ability to throw an attack or one of two movements. You know whatever it is. This is one yeah. of your two actions for the for his activation. Choose this character or another allied character within range three of Lockjaw and place it within range three of its current position. A character can be placed by the superpower only once per turn. This is insane. Teleporting it's insane. a large base yeah. character, uh range three is even nuts, better. Yeah. But just moving anyone that far out of their activation, bolts, just yeah, just even moving Black Bolt. Uh it's just it's yeah, so good.
0: I, I read this power Chris and I I I know how good it is. I know how crucial it is to his kit. And I'm just like, man, what's AMG going to do with Nightcrawler? What are they going to do with American Chavez? I, like, I see this and I'm just like, it's something in this realm. And I love it. I love it so much. So, two power to move Lockjaw himself or a character range three, You're, you have to do this every turn almost. I
1: mean, really. Well, and just moving. That's your goal with it. Moving him. a character range three that is somewhere around range three away from Lockjaw. That is that is a huge amount yeah, of Yeah, and movement. keep in mind
0: too, you can always, like, to maximize the movement, you can double walk lockjaw, mm-hmm. right? As long as the allied character is range three. Like, let's just say you want to keep them at max range. And let's say, for argument's sake, you walk lockjaw short and then you walk them again short, but you're like, I'm not even going to go the full short distance because I can't. I want to stay in range three, right? You still made that other character, which is obviously a higher priority, a more powerful character. You put them the max distance you could ever put them, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you're right at three, and then you're putting them at three again. It's massive because Lockjaw, keep in mind, Chris, I mean, you mentioned the, the strength of Lockjaw teleporting a larger base character, but you also keep in mind that Lockjaw is a medium based character. That's part of this factoring of teleporting, too, right? Like he's a lizard sized base, and it's like that's creating distance, too. It's creating more inches. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really cool you're not going to double walk. Teleport your big threat, your Black Bolt, your She-Hulk, your Magneto, whatever it is, and you are very happy. You are very happy. <laughs> like, you you have no complaints, Absolutely. right? You need to not fixate on Lockjaw taking two more actions because he did this amazing teleport. And we're going to talk about how he gets his power right now. So, of course, Chris, he has three innate superpowers. We're going to go through the Inhuman one real quick. We talk about it every time. Lockjaw may reroll one attack in his attack and defense roll. So, once again, that bite Much better than we, seems. Still not great. Still not great. His defense is better than they Mm -hmm. seem. I mean, and this just, as I just said, Crystal, this only gets better with spikes, right? If you spike and then you reroll, because you, of course, reroll after everything's done. Very good. Also, lockjaw has got six health. Very respectable tanky boy on the front side for a three threat, which I absolutely love. But Chris, let's get to the bread and butter of this character and probably the hardest learning curve with this character. He has an innate superpower called Who's a Good Boy? At the start of each of Lockjaw's activations, if there's an allied character within range two of him, Lockjaw gains three power, putting him at four power for the rounds. And then, of course, if you've built any power through other means and other rounds can be much higher than four, right. right? So this is your ultimate goal with Lockjaw is to never have him by himself. And that's tough.
1: Yeah, it, but it is tough. But not undoable. Not undoable at all. I mean, yes, it's, it is very doable. I personally, if Lockjaw's buy someone, I either take out Lockjaw or I take out that someone, uh, but <laughs> yeah. or I attempt to yeah. anyway. But look, him being able to teleport two different people a turn is nuts. Uh, him being able to possibly teleport and get a blo- interdimensional bloodhound off—like his powers are so impactful. And the fact that if you play him properly you can guarantee getting at least one of these very powerful things off every activation. And that's. Yeah. And I'll, I'll
0: clarify, cause I might've misspoke earlier in the sense of like his teleport is an action. Yes. Right. And so it's like, when I meant. you, there's a turn, you double move him. The turn you double move him is obviously not a teleport turn, but you're setting in place the next turn. Yeah. Right. And that's probably the double teleport turn what Chris is talking about. And it's like, so he's a very hard character to play because he's slow. But he's so powerful and he builds so much power for your team. So it's like you've got to decide what to do with him at what given times. And keeping who's a good boy online every turn is the most important thing you can do after focusing on using him as a teleport character. It's like it's balancing the who's who's a good boy and the teleport and everything else comes after that. What's crazy, Chris, is if if you manage the who's a good boy all game and you manage the teleport all game, you will have power for the throws. You will have power for the bloodhounds, right? It's like things will happen for you well if you do that, but it's tough. And of course, clearly, he has the immunity to poison like every other inhuman. You know, I said he has five stamina on his back, putting him at 11 total. He's a good character and he is a, full support character yes 100 percent full support if you do not have a plan for him you probably don't play him yeah right like if you don't know what objectives you're playing him on and what team you're playing him in and who you're teleporting and who you're marking with the bloodhound and stuff like that now what i do love about him chris is even late game when people like leave the fight and he stays back and scores let's say he loses good boy then which is not ideal but it does happen that's okay he can still like score and then probably just give you bloodhounds Globally on the map, it's not perfect, it's not great, but like at the end of the day, if you're ahead on score and he's scoring for you, they still have to come to him, right? And then when they finally come to him, he can start throwing stuff at them and biting them. And you know, it's very cool, but it's like he's not useless when the game's at that point, is what I'm saying. Like it's just he's extremely strong the first half of the game, absolutely. So you just got to think about it in that way,
1: and and yeah, I think that's a really great way to frame it because you really want to get you want to get as far ahead of your opponent movement wise using his teleport as you can uh, in those yep. first you know one to three rounds before you know before things get a little hairy for lock john maybe some of his power generation is taken offline but hopefully that's not the case hopefully he's rocking who's a good boy all six rounds of your just incredible win he obviously dominates
0: rules strong on tighter maps you know because of that very much that very much thing but chris closing out lockjaw we've got one card for him as well just like crystal that is very powerful and very cool we have a card called last minute save it's unaffiliated and reactive so once again you can play this if you play a lockjaw asset is in humans which i i love so much when another allied character within range three of an allied lockjaw would be ko'd not dazed ko'd Make sure you mm. clarify that Lockjaw may spend three power to play this card. Not hard for him to do at all with his good boy status and his four power every turn. The allied character now removes one damage, is not KO'd, and is placed within range one of Lockjaw. So field dressing's out of the game. It still exists though, mm. it, it, sort of.
1: You know, very in interesting. this way. That's yeah. That's huge against attrition teams.
0: Yeah, and sure. it's it's an amazing tool for characters too, like. She Hulk or Hulk, yeah. right? Where it's like characters that have a finite amount of health that don't flip, right? Like Great point. They only can. like they don't daze. They only chaos. So it's it's the type of thing where it's like this card. It's lock draws exceptional healing, mm-hmm. you know, for his allies. Yeah, but it but it's any ally. You know, it's not it's not a healing factor character. So I don't know. I, I find it very cool. I find it very frustrating because it's like if they can't double tap a character and kill him. They just will live, and Lockjaw will put. And even worse for where Chris, like, it could be one of those things, like where you attack an enemy, you, they attack you. Lockjaw last minute saves you, and now they have no action economy mm-hmm. to attack you again, right? Or they have no range
1: to attack yeah, you again. The hope is you so, pull them out of range.
0: For so me. It, yeah. it's double faceted, and, and and a quasi field dressing, but also a repositioning tool to make your opponent um, frustrated. And I think it's a very Strong and highly considered card if you're playing Lockjaw on your list in any capacity, really, because it's why would you not want another healing card, right. really? And this is a cooler. This is a harder to use healing card, but it's a healing card that will give you a get out of jail free card potentially. You know, if you, if used correctly. So I find it super cool. But Chris, we got to move on to our favorite part of the show, Chris on Lockjaw. Where where are we oh playing? Oh my that, gosh! Right. So I want to get the obvious out of the way. For, for both of them. Mainstays on humans. Lockjaw and humans especially. Crystal, obviously a mainstay in humans as well. Crystal also a mainstay in A Force. Yes. Her affiliated team. So their affiliated teams, that's that's the only place that they're affiliated, and they are essential pieces in those teams. Honestly, like you're not leaving home without them in your 10 right now. So I think that's helpful to know and I think it's fun. Well, let's talk about Crystal, where we could play her. That's that's fun. And probably good. So Crystal We talked about her strength of being this condition-giving character with long movements. She can pivot between attrition, conditions, and movement stuff in the game. And there's a lot of teams that like that stuff. The first team that really likes that is the Web Warriors. Mm -hmm. She gives the Web Warriors a lot. Uh, She actually makes their all-webbed-up turn a a lot scarier, attrition-wise, because obviously now more characters are slowed, right? (laughs) They can't remove the slows, so the Web Warriors are just putting the beat down on. Also, amazing Spider-Man leadership. It gives out slows. It does more things with slows. It repositions characters with slows. She fits right into this team. So she fits in the Miles leadership and the amazing leadership both. So I think she's a very strong piece in Web Warriors. Also, she's a long mover. So she kind of fits their grab stuff yeah, and move around the map. Absolutely. Play style. So fits right into that team. A-Force, she's excellent, I mentioned, because she's affiliated. But more importantly, Chris, like we know it. We love yeah. it. We talk about it all the time. She can drop off She-Hulk. And you're playing special delivery every game with A force and she can make that happen. You don't necessarily have to play Angela. You don't necessarily have to play Captain right. Marvel. You don't necessarily have to play Wasp. She can be a tool in your toolbox to drop off She-Hulk. So that's very powerful. Also I think I given examples earlier why she synergizes with the team, especially you're playing her card. Like you've got characters that give out conditions. 100%. She's not like got characters that give out tons of damage like She Hulk, Scarlet Witch, other characters, Captain Marvel. More conditions, more damage, she's there. Now, where Crystal gets a bit weirder and more interesting, genuinely, and I think people haven't explored the spaceship because once again, Crystal is one of those characters people just don't play that much. Strucker Hydra, oh,
1: you know, interesting condition. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, condition game is the way to go. She gives conditions. She has healing factor, right? It's like her biggest weakness is that she's a glass cannon, and Strucker kind of shores
1: that up for her because as long as she can give a condition, still
0: susceptible to spikes,
1: but. Her longevity yeah, against course. like a shield or something like that just skyrockets. Yeah.
0: Like little bits of damage. She just, she heals it off. Now, from there, it's like anytime you need a support that gives you conditions, she can fit. So it's really up to you. But I mean, it's like Chris was talking about it in different ways. It's like she could be played next force mm-hmm. She could be played defenders, right? Defenders, she can change any of these attacks to mystic or she can change yeah. the physical ones to energy and things like that. She has options, but it's like, I think her main places where it's like, are right, in humans, a force, this kind of web warriors or this Hydra situation. And I think that's fine. I mean, she is one of those characters where it's like just player where you want to play her and see if it works for you. Cause no team is going to be upset about a bunch of conditions and a bunch Absolutely. of long range attacks being added to their team. Right. So that's really what it is. I actually think she's a pretty cool fit in Spider-Foes because you add her in human re-roll on top of their, def- their re-roll, and then you give more conditions. They're already kind of running the board in their own special way with their movement, their throws, their sizes. She kind of sits on the back and gives them a lot of support. But moving on to Lockjaw, he's kind of interesting because he's one of those characters that he was spoiled for the game and all the podcasts in the world, luckily not us, but a lot of them were doom saying. The game's over. Lockjaw's making turn zero, broken, all this stuff. He can do a lot turn zero. And yes. you got to be aware of that. Like him and Steve, teleport discount, bloodhound discount. He's a threat in Steve. He just is. But let's talk about him in humans, his affiliated team. Oh my gosh, Chris. He is an amazing piece of the humans because he's teleporting Black Bolt up the table. Every time you need Black Bolt to be somewhere to double tap, he's doing that. Also, the inhuman leadership synergizes with him so yes. well because you can... Round one, you can go with Lockjaw early. You can good boy, of course, because you're all in the deployment. You're sitting a ton of power with Lockjaw. You double walk him to a secure, and then every turn the rest of that round, you're just passing mm-hmm. power off Lockjaw to of the rest of your team, right? Enabling all these R and Ds for your whole team. Uh, you can even pass it to someone, and then pass. They can pass it to someone further down the line, right? It's like you do a lot of stuff with him, so he's incredible in that team. Because I also think like anytime he has an excess, you're like you're fine to pass his excess to someone exactly. else. exactly, and. This makes Crystal a lot scarier on a team that Crystal's on a team with Lockjaw because she can always potentially do her third attack, right? One hundred percent.
1: If well, and I think that's really, really good for her in a team like A Force too. Of course, is mm. just fixing that power generation of not being able to gain yep. power off of spikes. So she's yep. she's got to she's got to gain she's got to use gainers and she's got to get power from taking damage, and she can't take a ton of damage before she's going to flip. So uh, yeah, I think I think mitigating that that four cost power in any way yeah is huge for crystal. Well I'm gonna talk about so. some cool
0: places where Lockjaw is outside of inhumans because I think you auto take him in. Yeah you have to. So I already mentioned Brotherhood. I'll mention it again I think he's an amazing piece in Brotherhood because you get Mags up range three, beginning of the game. You're already in a good spot. Also Chris he has a throw he can throw and create mags power for your yep. team on his turn. He can just double walk, he can single or double walk on his turn, throw something into something else, blow that stuff up, give your team power, set up the rest of your team, set up asteroid M's. He's he's kind of nuts in that way. Um he's a really cool Brotherhood member for that purpose. Similar reasoning for Black Order, he can help these big pieces get up the table mm. and also be a super support for yeah. Black Order. Bloodhound for Black Order. Nasty, nasty. It's nasty. it's nasty, right? But I've talked about the hunting party. I really think he still fits in the hunting party really well. That criminal syndicate led by Shadowland Daredevil. You're running Craven. You're you're running Lockjaw. You're just marking stuff. You're already rerolling with the Shadowlands leadership. You're adding more dice. Mm. It's you just res- gross. rapid fires. Yeah. Just hunt what you want to hunt. But of course, keeping that theme going with like the big characters delivering these characters' places. We talked about She-Hulk. He's a good fit there in A-force or Avengers with She-Hulk. But Dark Dimension, Chris, he's getting five power a turn. Five power a turn. And he's
1: moving the big boy. Moving
0: Dormammu up. He's a large base model, moving him up range three every turn, no matter what. Right. And then he's potentially marking something or throwing something if if the math's right with his with his Power for the round and stuff, but if not, that's okay. He just double moves to an objective and teleports to armamu the next turn again. That's enough reason for him to excel in that team, you know. But it's also like any team that has a big piece that needs that has issues moving, he's really good at that. But like those are the those those are the main spots I think he really shines. Any team with slow moving characters too, he's really good. He's a really good piece. It's just funny that like we went from him being like doom and gloom about him owning turn one and then he kind of just dropped off and it's like outside of outside of inhumans of course and outside of some of these fun teams like maybe dark dimension or brotherhood player getting their pieces up faster you know i also think he's a really cool pick in sentinels for the same reason right because you can get the sentinels to the midline round one start double tapping it's what they want yeah you're just it's their biggest weakness right so if they get their strikes off early, mm. they're sitting good. So try him in those places. Try him with the big characters, but also just try him in humans and maybe even a force like Chris said, and you will not be disappointed. Also, him in a force is getting even yep. more power. He's going to be powered right? up. So it's it's fun place to play him. And I think Lockjaw is one of those characters, Chris, that like he is a super powerful support. And as the game goes on and on and on, he's just going to get more places that could work. I, yeah, right. Um, like Asgard starred for spots, but he's really good in Asgard. Like, the theme is kind of there with Bill working with him and stuff, but it's like getting Thor up the table earlier to do more strikes, to get Thor's dice online earlier, or even get Bill's dice online earlier, stuff like that. And then you've got Odin's Blessing and Last Minute Save. You've got two, like, exceptional healings.
1: Just do it. Try it out. There's so many things to try here. Yeah, these are just two really nice support characters characters. and that's something cool about support characters is they can fit in some really strange places and and it's it's fun to experiment with it's fun to try out Uh, and it's fun to just see how how well they can work you know it is are some of these weird ideas worth the the investment, you know,
0: no, absolutely. And sports are less about like their gimmick and more about like what are they doing for your team and your goals, right? Where it's like, I think, at, I think using Lockjaw or even like Crystal in Asgard is a good example where it's like, do I necessarily need them? Not necessarily, but when I am going to use of, them, yeah. what are they going to do for it my team on the game and help plan. me control the battlefield? Like, is that worth it? Yes. Okay, then I am putting my in my ten right. And I just think, I think Lockjaw is one of the cooler pieces to play in the game. Like he's he's a giant English bulldog, and you want to see him on the table. Yeah. For just, sure. just try it out but yeah those are my recommendations for affiliations and splash affiliations and if you're playing humans you already you already know everything i've said this episode yes. like you you're just like you're preaching to the choir jesse <laughs> so you know the power of these support characters the tough part is knowing when to play them at what times because it seems like within humans you're playing black Bolden and, and medusa every game right so then it, from that point onward it's like am i taking crystal am i taking launch yeah. i'm taking both am i taking one of these affiliated, like people who have helped in humans, like Beast or Quicksilver, or, like you, you kind of ask yourself questions from that point onward. So I find it very cool. Lockjaw, really good with uh, Miss Marvel. You thought she could already get where she wanted before? What if she started her term with the teleport? You know,
1: goodness, a lot of things. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to Patreon.com/slash. Fury's Finest.
0: Find us online. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at, at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, collaborations, and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Of course, the Fury's Finest Secret Wars League 5 is fully underway and the painting gallery with no name next competition is fully underway as well. It's a mm. two-threat characters. So, if you want to be part of those things, definitely check out our Patreon and check out our Discord. Also, like, you know, you can also just be part of the community and get ready for the next ones because clearly we'll secret Wars six will be shortly after this. And of course the next painting gallery will be after this as well. So a lot going on in the
1: community and we want you to be part of it. Thanks to approaching Nirvana for intro and outro music and help spread the word about the show. We help people know about the secret wars league, the painting gallery with no name, a lot of cool stuff happening in the community. Like Jesse said, and you know, just the game's growing let's keep uh let's keep the show growing and let's keep the community moving forward absolutely
0: so of course you can always find chris and i online you can find me jesse on various places twitter instagram and Longshanks. all at jesse aiken that's j-s-s-e-e-a-k-i-n chris where can
1: everyone find you find me on twitter at chris bruffett i might tweet again we'll see
0: Chris, this was a fun and human series. I hope we get to return this in the future. I'm sure with AMG.
1: Yeah, we absolutely are going to. There's just you know there's there's too rich a characters uh, still on the vine there for them to not want to release them. So and too
0: powerful a leadership, quite frankly. I mean I mean it's still I said at the beginning of the series and a lot of people messaged me and they were like (laughs) I never thought of it that way, Jesse, and I'm I'm happy you said it that way. But I mean we talked about this, Chris. It is one of the best leaderships in the game. It just It just is like being, but is one Mm -hmm. of the hardest to play, right? Because it's like every round you have to decide who's moving a power from who. And am I, did did I do it right? Did I, was it a mistake? And that takes time, that takes reps. And Black Bolt is worth it for that leadership. That leadership is so powerful. And, you know, he's got all these great pieces around him. So I think in humans are. Of course, there's always people rocking them that always just know them and always are a threat it out human there.
1: Human fans are loyal folks. So uh,
0: keep an eye out for that. You should try in humans if you haven't tried them. Uh, we highly recommend it. And this is a fun series to do before we start our next series. But yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll return to humans in the future. I just, their leadership only gets better as the game grows. It's one of those yes. relationships where it's like, it's not quite a Steve level, but it's close where it's like, pretend there's a new model. It's like, oh, if I played bill and in humans and i could pass him a power at the top of a round what would that look like for his superpowers right like Mm, you can ask yourself that every time there's a new character right and that's that's pretty crazy it's very powerful especially in a team with lockjaw where you have just got power you can just pass at will to your whole team you know so do not discredit them they are force they are a super cool like attrition team that can also like pivot to control when they need to and um I mean, I love that they're kind of mid range in that way, Chris, where they just oscillate from what they need to do. Black Bolt's a attrition threat, but the rest of their team is like, what do I need to do at the given time? I'll make a decision and do it, you know? Uh Medusa is a perfect example oh, of that. She's so good. She she can kill stuff or she can control stuff, and it's up to you how you play her, you know?
1: Only you can prevent <laughs> people from scoring with Medusa.
0: She rules player everywhere. Yes, just player. Splasher. She's, she's, she's worth just- it. She's an amazing character and clearly the standout character in this entire team, which we've talked about every episode we've talked about humans, but yeah, just don't discredit the humans. You know, they're one of the lesser loved teams in Marvel, but I think in MCP, they kind of knocked the team out of the park. So definitely worth a look and a listen and a play from you. So that's kind of my last bit sp- spiel from that. Chris
1: black bolt is very cool. I think you should play him. There it is. Well, that's that's what I got. You, you summed up everything so well. I don't know that I can add to it.
0: Black Bolt is very cool. And if anything, we've all learned that from the series. So mm-hmm. we hope you guys enjoyed this human series, and we'll enjoy our future series we have coming very soon. But until next time, thanks for listening, true believers.
1: Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt
0: anything would surprise me. 10 bucks says you're wrong.